It's October 18, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First up, we're going to talk to Margot Edwards and Cindy Natman about the upcoming School of Ocean and Earth Science and Technology, or SOEST, open house. And then we'll hear from the Hawaii Association of Independent Schools Director, Phil Bostert, and he's going to tell us about Schools of the Future. A great event. But speaking of great events, first up, let's welcome Margot uh, Edwards, Executive Director at the University of Hawaii Applied Research Laboratory, and Cindy Natman, Communications Lead, and they're going to talk about the SOEST Open House. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Us. Now, Cindy, this has been a, a, a open house that's been going on for quite some time. Do you recall when it started? I sure do. It's actually, we're on our 14th biennial event, so it's mm, been wow. going on for 28 years. Whoa. And it even started <laughs> a little bit prior to when the school started in 83, mm-hmm. but the school took it over and started it uh, 28 years ago. Wow. And you know, yep. this is a really, I really look forward to uh, this open house along with the uh, you know, Institute for Astronomy, yep. but oh. this one is really exciting. I love the SOAS open house. Oh, me too. The graduate students, the faculty, the staff all really look forward to this for the whole two years when it um, when it's scheduled, and there's 90 exhibits that are scheduled for this year, so everyone is really excited. And I know there are a lot of different programs represented. I want to hear about some of them, but let's start with Margo and the Applied Research Laboratory. What's that? Uh, what are we going to see at the SOAST Open House from that organization? Yeah, so we're getting pretty excited about drones, these little unmanned aerial <laughs> vehicles, and we're going to be bringing some of those with a television screen and I hope some of the 3D goggles so that mm. kids can come down there and feel what it's like to ride a roller coaster of a of a drone flight FPV. when they're yeah, yeah when mm-hmm. they're just standing there watching things. So that's going to be Saturday only, mm. but um we hope that everybody'll come out and get to have some of that experience. Now Marco, you, you know, we've had uh, a good friend of ours Ted Ralston on the show many times and he's kind of our go-to drone guy. And he's now working for the Applied Research Lab. Can you tell us a little bit about what the, what Ted is doing over there? Yeah, Ted's really involved with efforts to try and find ways to to take sort of a, a fresh look at drones and use them for really productive things. So I think a lot of people, when they think about drones, they think about, you know, flying over a graduation ceremony and annoying <laughs> you, right? Or, you know, over the Holly Eva lantern floating parade and, and doing bad things. But there are so many powerful mm. things that drones can do. You know, they can help us to find people who've fallen overboard off of a ship. They can go out to sea pretty mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. They can help us to be able to map what's healthy in a coffee farm and what's not healthy. They can help us be able to look at the the ship that ran aground off the reef, you know, just this past weekend. Can we get out there? We don't have to have people be in danger. So Ted's been working on trying to find different ways to safely use drones for all kinds of applications. And it seems like it seems like every day somebody comes up to him with a new idea. Could you do this? Um, yeah, maybe we could. Absolutely. So the Applied Research Laboratory, one of the great booths that you'll see at the uh, SOAST Open House. Cindy, um, what are some of the highlights? I mean, Bert is a huge fan. What mm-hmm. do, what will draw so, a curious mind like Burton? Well, you know the you know the <laughs> the, uh, the the frozen. Nitrogen is always a big draw. Always a big draw. Well, the coolest thing about the SOAS Open House is that the school studies anything from the deep ocean to the earth to atmospheric sciences to space. So there's 90 exhibits that highlight all of those topics. And the 
faculty and the graduate students who are actually doing that cutting-edge re- research are there to talk directly to the people that are coming. So like Bert said, there's some fascinating research on exploding volcanoes where you know uh, it shoots 30 feet up in the air and ping pong balls go flying everywhere and the kids just absolutely love it. And well, then there's um, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. We always say that, you know, from age five to 105, people are going to find things that they really enjoy about the open house. Now, you mentioned kids. Mm-hmm. Certainly, this is open to the public and we can talk about that. But there is a opportunity here that is uh, taken advantage of to bring students from schools to participate. How is that outreach happening? Yes, absolutely. So on Friday, we focus on school groups and we have up to five students coming just on Friday and it's from 8.30 to 2 and the school groups sign up in advance and they come and spend the entire day with us. And then on Saturday the event runs from 10 to 2 and it's a little bit more relaxed. We don't have quite as many schools and a lot of times the students that have come the day before get so excited about it. They want to bring their parents and their siblings so they come on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Now how do the professors decide what they want to exhibit at the open house? They just try to be really creative and have exhibits where people can actually touch something, they can see something. It's not just... something that kids come and look at. It's very interactive, mm-hmm. and they're, they mm-hmm. can use their own creativity. Mm-hmm. So, Margot, I mean, in addition to what the laboratory will be demonstrating, and you said only on Saturday for the drones, um, do you have a favorite exhibit or something that you'll also be supporting at this event? Yeah, well, what I was going to say is I've been lucky to go to the event a couple of times as a mom rather than as mm-hmm. a scientist who is demonstrating things, and I would encourage people, if you don't have kids, go out and rent one, because if you can, <laughs> you know, if you can come and just hang out and do everything that a kid's going to do, you're just going to have a blast. I mean, the emphasis is kind of on kids, but it's also on the the kid in each of us. And I think that's really important. Everybody can touch. Everybody can get involved with these these hands-on activities. And it's just really, it's really a lot of fun for me as somebody who geeks out about science, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to go there and, and see what everybody's doing. Well, our listeners and we certainly do geek out about science. Now, if you were to characterize what it what the, uh, let's say, objective of the open house would be? How would you articulate that? I think it's to show that science really is fun. I mean, we have this this crazy sense that, that scientists sit in their lab coats and we write in notebooks and, you know, we type at the computers. And what you find at Soest Open House is we blow stuff up, you know, <laughs> and we do, we do rubbings and we, you know, we do all kinds of things where your hands get dirty. That's what's really exciting about science. And this is the this is the two days every two years to to really get into that. So, Cindy, this happens at the University of Hawaii at Manoa Manoa campus. I think the Post Building, Holmes Hall, I mean, it's sort of in that quadrant. Um, If somebody wanted to come and attend, do you have any particular advice? Because certainly people will ask, where do I park? Sure. Yes, so the parking structure is the best place to park. And then, as you said, the event is centered around the Ocean Sciences Building, the Marine Sciences Building, and Hawaii Institute of Geophysics, which is closer to the east-west center side of campus. Now, now, Cindy, from a from an advice standpoint, yes. when you go to the open house, it, it is sort of sort of daunting because there's so much that you could explore, but they're all in different buildings. Sure is. How would you suggest people maybe strategize on how they would approach 
uh, and get the most out of the open yeah, house? Yeah, so the best thing for people to do is to go to the website. There's mm-hmm. a website that's specifically focused on the open house, and it has the flyer and the program and maps of campus. And so what I always do is I always take a look at the program, which indicates where the events will be, and kind of make a check mark which ones I really would like to attend. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good. So well, we can, we'll put the uh, link on our show notes, the soes.hawaii.edu, as a starting point. Right. Again, this is Friday, October 20th, uh, and Saturday, October 21st. Very Great. good. And, of course, uh, thanks, Margo and Cindy, for joining us. Thank you so much. And, of course, we'll take a shade, short break, and, uh, and we'll be returned by uh, joining Phil Bossert. He'll be coming in and talking about the schools of the future. And, of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ulupono Initiative and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. I have been listening to public radio since 1983. You'll get national news and local news, but it's the culture and the arts and the things that are going on around town that you'll never hear on the airwaves, except here at Hawaii Public Radio. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is Phil Bossert, and he's the executive director of the Hawaii Association of Independent Schools, and which I will normally refer to as HAIS. Certainly, and we will explore how the Schools of the Future Conference can help to change the delivery of education in Hawaii. Phil, welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Happy to be back. Thank you very much. Now, Phil, um, you know, I can't even remember how far back it was that we have you, have had you on. And, of course, uh, Phil and I go back to the uh, previous century, I'm afraid to say. That is true. When, you know, when you were at Hawaiian Tell and I was at Hawaiian Tell. And even when I was at uh, University of Hawaii and you were with the, um, the the supercomputer center and stuff. That's right. That's right. Boy, <laughs> those were <laughs> days that I can, can barely remember. But it's great to have you back on. And, you know, I was looking for somebody to talk to about the schools of the future. I know it's been going on since 2008, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a pretty good run. You yeah. Know, what is it, nine, nine this years This is now? our ninth a- annual event. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the, the, the history, because I don't think we really got into, like, how did this thing start? So um, in 2008, the Hawaii Community Foundations uh, funded a five-year program called the Schools of the Future Initiative idea was to uh, try to change the learning environments of schools to be more collaborative, more project-based learning, performance-based assessment type stuff, and more tech integration. And um, so there were 50 applications. They picked 20 schools to work with for five years and invested almost $5 million in those schools over that uh, five-year period. One of the requirements was that once a year, all of the member schools had to get together and share what was working and what wasn't working. And so we called that the Schools of the Future Conference. Mm-hmm. And only schools that were in the project could come. So it was a pretty interesting uh, first year. Um, and um, the all 20 schools participated and said, this is working, this sucks, this, you know. Um, and people heard about it. So the next year, when we were doing that same thing, invite the 20 schools, People in those schools said, oh, can we come watch? Can we come listen to what mm-hmm. they're presenting? And so maybe 300 
400 people showed up. From uh, those same 20 schools? From, mostly from the same uh-huh. 20 schools, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they weren't part of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, third year, um, we invited uh, Sir Kenneth Robinson, the pretty famous uh, education speaker, to come and speak. Um, and in addition to a lot of our HAIS, you know, the 100 schools saying, oh, can we come and listen to him? Department of Education teachers said, well, can we come too? And so we had to move it to, I think, the Sheraton Ballroom, and almost 900 people came <laughs> that year. <laughs> so it was a crowd. <laughs> and uh, so right after that, um, the DOE, uh, Hillary Aponna McKee in particular, uh, DOE approached us and said, you know, we no longer have our e-school conference, and mm. we've been looking for something like that. And um, so could we join you and co-produce this? Mm-hmm. And so ever since year four, it's been uh, Hawaii Community Foundation, Department of Education, and HAIS have co-produced uh, this uh, event. And um, and then uh, about year six, the Hawaii... Uh, um, what is it called? The Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. HSCE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, HSCE came in and joined. And then uh, about, I think, three years ago, um, Pamela Midiar wanted to start a conference on social and emotional learning. And our conference up till then had been almost all tech, project-based learning uh, focused. And the Community Foundation convinced her, instead of starting her own conference, to see if a track with ours would work. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Robbie uh, uh, Connie uh, from the foundation started working with us to plan a track, and they funded uh, the social-emotional learning track. That kicked our enrollment, (laughs) enrollment, uh, you know, attendance back up to almost Uh 1,500 because a lot of teachers were interested in that. And this year we'll probably exceed 1,800 based on registration and it's next week already so, so back back in the um, in the days when there were 20 schools what what was the criteria upon which those 20 schools were selected so <clears throat> they had um, the community foundation basically said uh, in their application what would your school look like in five years if you could do anything you want mm-hmm. uh, to make it more modern and relative and then and if that was the case, what kinds of things would you do in year one, year two, year three uh, to implement that? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, there were actually 51 applications from uh, – it could only be for private schools because mm. the money came from a foundation uh, that only funded private schools. And so um, it was tough. I was on the committee that reviewed those uh, along with other people and – picking just 20 schools to work with. And uh, so we picked based on vision, you know, and plus realistic vision, but also we've sort of got a plan to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, Phil, so it's great to hear how this event has grown from 20 schools in the HAIS to 1,800 people from across almost all educational organizations in the state. I I do want to learn more about the latest edition, this OMIDR-backed social-emotional learning piece, but this is Bite Mark Cafe, so (laughs) I do want to start perhaps when we talk about some of the sessions you might have. What is the current state of technology 
in a future-facing school. I mean, now they know it's not just a tool, it's not just a toy. It has to be integrated into a learning experience. What's the latest in that field? So we have, uh, I mean, if you look at one, we have over 100 sessions, breakout sessions. So we've got three keynote speakers. We've got uh, almost 20 featured speakers, meaning mostly from out of state, um, and then we've got uh, 100 breakout sessions, which are almost all by Hawaii public, private, and charter school teachers. Um, the majority of them are still in tech um, and tech-related type stuff. So you've got a virtual reality, how to use that in the classroom. You've got um, you know how to use – if your school can't afford one-to-one laptops, mm-hmm. how to use your iPhone uh, in the classroom as your device – a lot of we've got a digital video playground. We've got an early childhood technology playground where there's, there's stuff for people to hands on. Um, we've got uh, several coding initiatives. Um, the people that have that uh, Korean car that All you Kino. Kino? Oh, yes. oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the name. Ian of Kitajima, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to be there. Um, got design thinking um, and uh, Ian again alike and so <laughs> and I would guess perhaps drones as we were discussing before the break that's turning up in schools a lot too it is and um, and I actually don't know uh, can't remember if we have any ah, drone presenters but uh, they will be in one of the playgrounds nice. uh, so so how does the sessions actually get recommended or suggested or become part of the overall 100, you know, sessions that ultimately will be presented on this next coming up, uh, you know, Schools of the Future. Good question. So basically in December each year, which is like two months after we just finished this Mm -hmm, year's conference, mm -hmm. um, we will put out a call for proposals. And this last couple of years, we've gotten two to three times as many proposals as we have room for. And so I think this last uh, time around, we had 175 uh, proposals, four sessions, almost all of them from public, private, charter, parochial school teachers, uh, a few administrators, but mostly teachers, best practice stuff in the classroom. And then we we pull a group of uh, teachers who have presented in the past together to review in groups, and, and we've got these categories uh, so for technology integration and pro- project-based learning and social-emotional learning, and I think there's seven categories. And then they pick, they rate, rank the ones that they want to do. And then, uh, and then we get together in one room, and then we start saying, okay, let's do the top 20. Well, it can't be the top 10, I guess. Sure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that kicks out 70. And then we start fighting about, yeah, with I 18, want Ryan's. No, I want Bert's. You, know? you should pick Bert's. I, I mean, with 1,800 people with this big of a program, I'm starting to imagine you're getting into the territory where like South by Southwest kind of has this whole voting selection kind of system to kind of whittle down the topics. It's amazing that you have this abundance of, of – of passionate people who want to share their best practices in education. It is. And I still remember, I think it was in year five or six, uh, after the two or three days after uh, the Schools of the Future conference, I was at a Windward District meeting, and one of the <laughs> Department of Education administrators came up, and he says, oh, my God, you know, it's the first time I've been to the conference, and I went to several of the 
sessions that our public school teachers were doing. He says, I had no idea we were doing this kind of innovative stuff in our schools. And so, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I do want to um, – <clears throat> I do notice that since 2008 when Schools of the Future started, that was probably one of the few school conferences that really looked at the future. But now there are several other uh, right. conferences. So I want to see if there are overlaps in, in those – conferences as, as they maybe spill over in, in terms of sessions for schools of the future. I want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after the short break to continue our conversation with Phil Bostert, and we're learning about the schools of the future. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Phil Bostert, Executive Director of the Hawaii Association of Independent Schools. And we're learning about the Schools of the Future Conference. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about the opportunity for sessions to be suggested at the uh, Schools of the Future. And, of course, they have, you know, 1,800 attendees. And they probably got a ton of suggestions for great ideas. But what I've noticed over the years is that you know, even the conferences that we do, and you know, we we put on, you know, from back back in the old days, you know, like two thousand eight. Wow, long they they ago. you know, there's a lot more things going on. Right. So even like today, I mean, in um, in the coming months, uh, there's STEM conferences. Uh, you know, Kamehameha School has a number of of conferences, and and they even have a unconference format where they bring people together and they have suggestions on sessions. Do you see any overlap or or topics that get carried on in the schools of the future that perhaps might have been started in some of these uh, other conferences? I mean, how are they melding together? Yeah, so I think um, most of those conferences, they are focusing more on sort of one area. I mean, Kamehameha Schools Conference uh, was actually started before Schools of the Future, so they've got a longer history than we do. And and theirs is much more focused on technology integration. Um, and so, uh, and they get an excellent turnout. I've attended many years. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brain Conference at Punahou, the STEM Conference. Um, so I think... Um, those conferences, uh, to some extent, are for people who just want to do that, and they don't want to try to find their way through a hundred <laughs> conference uh, breakout sessions to do something. I think people who are looking for, I would say, for our conference, people who are looking for new ideas in their in their particular classroom. Um, in other words, teachers who are sharing best practices with all this technology, social-emotional learning, STEM, all that, it's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, we we come across teachers at the Kamehameha Schools Tech Conference mm-hmm. and say, hey, at you should PSN submit Tech. a proposal to our conference. You're doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Now, a lot of these uh, education conferences are starting to find a way to integrate feedback from or even participation from or panels involving students that are sort of the, the beneficiaries of this kind of innovation. Are those voices kind of part of this conference or is it really about the practitioners of education? So so we have, from the very beginning, well, I shouldn't say very beginning, but when we started having it with DOE at the convention mm-hmm. center, we started having student uh, learning um, uh, tables, too. So uh, during the 
morning hours. We bring in students who are practicing a lot of these things, and they're from teachers who've been speakers and so on. So you've got students presenting, um, and and increasingly we find sessions where the teachers are bringing students as part of their panel and their got a whole robotics you know initially it was just talking about robotics and then um and then it became the site of a robotics competition Mm -hmm. um that just blew our socks off and heavily attended and very competitive and uh, and the early childhood elizabeth park up at chaminade started this early childhood technology playground and you just think this is stuff for kids that are three four five years old so so how have some of the sessions in schools of the future translated to actual curriculum or experiences inside the, the classroom, you know, as a result of people getting together and, and learning some of these new ideas and actually now implementing it? So, I mean, I don't go into a lot of the schools. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that sort of came out of the uh, Schools of the Future initiative in the conference, for example, at Mid-Pacific University, they started their MPX program, which is, you know, the... Wait, no, did, did <laughs> Mid- MidPAC become a university? I'm sorry, Mid-Pacific <laughs> <laughs> Institute. <laughs> oh, I thought, well, I thought Brian Dote, he's hard at work. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Mid-Pacific Institute. Uh, but, I mean, so they've got a whole track to a diploma f- that's based on um, their on project-based learning and mm-hmm, performance-based mm-hmm. assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, if you go to schools like Island Pacific Academy, Le Jardin, Sacred Hearts, and those are ones I've been to, and in, like Sacred Hearts completely redesigned their library based on some things that they'd heard. Uh, we have a library track at mm. the uh, conference, which is the librarians from public and private schools get together and say, what's the future of libraries and mm-hmm, libraries mm-hmm. and the like? So, yeah, I think it is, it's stuff you can walk out with and say, I'm going to start this on Monday morning. So I wonder if we'll hear from the librarian. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some tracks that are very kind of specific. I mean, you know, all of these uh, different ideas that have now come together and is now schools of the future actually kind of hold on to those particular uh, interests, I guess, from teachers that want to learn more about that specific topic. Yeah, I think in the beginning we just had whatever the 20 schools mm-hmm, were interested mm-hmm. in, but it's evolved now, and we we do sort of have categories, so we we know people who are just interested in robotics can mm. take that take or early childhood can take right, that. Right, right, uh, right. But people who just want to wander around and see what's happening can also have a full slate. Wow. So this event is coming up. It's a big event, like you said, uh, Thursday and Friday, October 26th and 27th. Uh, how are those tickets? Uh, how can somebody who is an educator get involved? So you can register online um, until this Friday, and you can walk in. Um, so is this a free event? or No. Um, the, um, right now it's in late. I mean, it starts out the early bird price is only like $300, and it includes great food, mm-hmm. excellent food <laughs> for both days, and a great party at the end. Uh, right now the late walk-in fee is for one day is 250 for both days is 500 mm-hmm. But um, And you can uh, – the – Website is just www.sotfconf.org. Schools of the Future, con- sotfconf.org. 
org, and we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in our show notes at uh, bitemarkscafe.org. Are, are you already stressing out about next year's conference, or you can't even think about? We've it? already got uh, offers out to speakers, wow. um, and we haven't got the dates right now. We're waiting for the conference center to let us know which dates are open. And as for the speakers, you got a couple of keynotes here. How did you land with land the, these these uh, um, so keynotes. almost all of our keynote speakers are people that uh, have been recommended to us by people who have heard them speak mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. seen them speak. Because uh, often people who are great writers can't speak for... <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so, so we're looking for really in, expi- inspiring speakers. <laughs> Very good. Well, Phil Bossard, he's the executive director of the Hawaii Association mm-hmm. of Independent Schools. And of course... Uh, I guess uh, one of the key guys behind Schools of the Future. And, of course, we want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Please join us next week when we're going to talk about e-commerce and mobile payments in the Chinese market. That's right. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. You can also find us in the fantastic HPR app where you can get the show live or even as a podcast. Our engineer is David Chong and you can catch us here every Wednesday on HPR One. Of course, stay safe and we will see you back here next week for another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.